Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. We have next week, as you saw on the slide, interest meeting for those that are interested in our spring break mission trips. We have four of them traveling to various parts of the world. I know you're probably not at all thinking about spring break of next year, but it's coming very soon. We've got a few months before that happens. We're forming teams already. Guatemala arrived last night safely. Everybody remained uh, calm and under control, and they got back about 30 minutes early. Praise the Lord. Had an incredible week in San Juan Moca. We have a team leaving for South Asia in a week, two weeks. Okay. We have another team in January going to South Asia. It's already filled up. So if you're thinking about mission work in the future, get a magazine. They're all around the church. Get a little card, fill one out, give it to Randy or myself. Be in prayer for what the Lord's going to do. And if you're interested in, in any of our spring break trips or Honduras next summer, that trip is filling up fast. We're already uh, working with our missionary to try to take two teams. That, that trip is going to be full and then some. You need to talk to Randy if you're interested. Be at, a, be at the meeting next Sunday after church in the Fellowship Hall. If you're interested in all these trips, you're not signing up to go or paying anything next week. You're simply saying, I'm interested. Put my name on the list so you can begin to pray more about it, okay? Great. Let me pray for us. We're going to begin. Father, we love you. We serve you. We thank you for an exciting morning, a time when we can gather together as a body and sing and pray and study, Lord. And I pray that as we open the truth of your word, I I pray you would just make very clear the text I pray you'd make very clear your heart, Father, and what you'd have us to see. And then I pray through the power of the Spirit, we could be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. We are continuing our study this morning of the book of Genesis, a systematic approach and study through the book in the sermon series that we've entitled, In the Beginning. Over the last several weeks, the scripture has led us to focus our attention on Abraham. We've learned about him. We've seen the promises that the Lord has given him. We've seen that the Lord has called him, led him out of his home, has blessed him, has promised to make him to a great nation, has promised to bless those that bless him. And we've focused over these last weeks on the growth of Abraham's walk with the Lord. There are times when he does pretty well, there are times when he steps aside, but we see kind of this general pattern of growth. We see this general desire of Abraham to deepen his walk and to deepen his faith in the Lord. And we saw last week, as we studied chapter 18, over the course of a couple of different weeks actually, we saw the visit of the three different men. Now these three men, as we kind of studied and understood, one was the Lord, two were angels, They came to visit Abraham. They reminded him of the promise. They reminded him he would become a great nation. They reminded him of the blessings upon his life. They reminded of all that they had done for him. And we see in our study from last week that as Abraham grew closer to the Lord, and we kind of applied this to our lives, as we grow closer to the Lord, we better understand his plans. God led Abraham in on what he was going to do in the city of Sodom. We'll see that this morning. But that happened simply because of the relationship that the Lord had with Abraham. We talked about the importance of persistent prayer. And I challenge you, and frankly, I challenge myself. 
to continue in our prayer life, to be more persistent in our prayer life, to, to seek the Lord and to understand his power. So we've talked a lot over the last several weeks about Abraham. This morning, because of the way the, the story is going to turn, we're going to turn our attention and focus on Lot. Now, Lot, just to remind you, was the nephew of Abraham. He was a man that was blessed. He had been given lots of things, wealth and land. And yet we saw back a couple of chapters ago that when given the choice, he made a decision, we said, based on what he wanted to do. Remember, there was too much stuff. There were too many uh, animals. There were too many herdsmen. And they quarreled. And Abraham said, we need to split up. And so Lot looks and he sees the land that's pleasing to his eye. And we kind of made the connection that he was walking by sight, not walking by faith. And so we're going to see now as we turn into Genesis chapter 19, exactly where that has led Lot. So Genesis chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screen for you as well. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he, this is Lot, insisted. So they strong, excuse me, he insisted so strongly that they go with him and entered his house. So he prepared, prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot where the men, excuse me, they called to Lot, where are the men who came with you tonight? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Now we're going to stop there for a minute and we're going to think through this passage of scripture and we're going to see a pattern over and over in chapter 19 that's going to become more and more and more deprived, more and more separated from the things of the Lord, more and more wicked. And here's the first truth I want you to understand. Very clearly, number one, the wickedness of Sodom led Lot away from the Lord. The wickedness of Sodom led Lot away from the Lord. Now, I want to give you some truth here you need to understand. Some of you may not believe me, but I promise you this is truth. Our circumstances can affect our walk with the Lord. And if we surround ourselves with sinful things, our faith will be challenged. You can take that to the bank. Now, here's the deal. Depending on how old or maybe mature or wise you are, you already know this, don't you? (laughs) Many of us, unfortunately, figured this out the hard way, didn't we? We at some point in our lives chose to surround ourselves with evil things. And you can fill in the blank what that looks like for your life. It's different for every person. And when we filled our lives with these evil things, when we surrounded ourselves with evil people or wickedness or bad situations, it led us away from the Lord. So here's just the very quick initial application. If you've already been there and done that, you need to help those younger than you understand this truth. And if you think I'm silly right now for saying this, young person, you need to ask your parents. I know sometimes they don't know a whole lot. They know a little bit more than you think they do. You need to ask them if this is true. 
Because I, I just want to challenge you, student, no matter how old you are, whether you're in middle school or high school or college, the people you hang out with do matter. And the circumstances you place yourself in can lead you to bad places. Now we see this theme in parts of chapter 18 and really all through 19 of the wickedness of Sodom. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, you can flip back to chapter 18, actually just a few verses back, verse 20, when the Lord's speaking to Abraham and he says very specifically and very clearly, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and by the way, these cities are lumped together here, is so great and their sin so grievous. So the Lord's already kind of explained to Abraham... He's already made him aware of the problems taking place in this city. Now, I want you to understand as we walk into verse 9, chapter 19, what's happening, right? These three visitors have come to see Lot, excuse me, have come to see see Abraham. Two of them are angels, one of them is the Lord. And we find out in chapter 18 that when they had gotten up to leave, the Bible actually tells us that they looked down towards Sodom. Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. So they get up from talking to Abraham and they've already got something in mind. They're walking toward the city of Sodom. Verse 22, the men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Now, it's after verse 22 of chapter 18 that Abraham and the Lord have this prayer, this dialogue. These other two men, as they're called in chapter 18, continue to walk toward Sodom. And then in verse 1 of chapter 19, we find out that these two men are actually angels. The two angels arrived in Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. So Lot is sitting in the city gates. We're going to get to this in a a few minutes. This is a really important part. Lot's sitting there waiting on them. He doesn't know they're coming. He doesn't know who these men are. And they show up and he greets them. Now Lot understands that these men are visitors. They're new to the city. He thinks they don't know anything about the city of Sodom. Now I believe, and I had a man ask me after the last service, does Lot know at this point that they're angels? I don't think he does. I think he's going to find out real soon that they are. But I think at this moment, he thinks they're just men. They're just visitors as Abraham did. And so Lot, being a gracious host, invites them to his house. Now, it's interesting what happens because these men kind of argue with Lot. And and he says to them, will will you come to my house and and eat with me and and please turn aside? And they say, no, we're going to spend the night in the square, right? So they say, no, no, it's okay. You're, You're being very kind. We don't want to impose, but we're going to go and spend the night in the square. But the Bible says that he, this is Lot, insisted so strongly. See that phrase? Bring that verse up again if you would. Bring up verse 3 for me. He insisted so strongly, right? So Lot says, listen, I know you guys want to stay in the square. I know you want to kind of hang out down there with the people, but I'm going to insist... That you not do it. Now, why would Lot insist that these men not stay in the middle of the city? One very simple answer. He understood the wickedness of that place. Now, he didn't know these men were angels. He didn't know they could take care of themselves. He didn't know really what they were there for. But he looks and he sees these two men. They want to go downtown and hang out. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Guys, if you knew what I knew about this place... If you knew the wickedness of this city, you would understand. You're in great danger. Please, I insist that you come to my house. So Lot convinced them to go to his house, and then the depravity just continues. Verse 4. 
Before they'd gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Now, this is a clear picture as we kind of think through this and delve into this. This is a clear picture of the desire of the men of Sodom to have homosexual relations with these two visitors. Now, we, we see this very clearly. In fact, we can shed a little bit of light on this. In another passage of Scripture, Ezekiel chapter 16, you don't have to flip there. You don't have to look. But I want you to listen to the words of Ezekiel looking back to the city of Sodom. Here's how Ezekiel defines the sins of Sodom. And by the way, there are many. There's not just one, there are lots. Now this, this is Ezekiel 16, 49, was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, unconcerned, all sinful. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty. All of these are sinful things. And they did detestable things before the Lord. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. Now, that word detestable in the Old Testament is used on several different occasions to speak of this idea of homosexuality. Now, I'm not going to repeat what I said several weeks ago. In fact, I preached a sermon on this on July the 26th. If you weren't here for that, it's available on podcast. You're welcome to go listen to it. I'm not going to say what I said that day. You can go listen to it on your own. But clearly in Scripture, homosexuality is a sin. Now, we see that all through the Old Testament. We see that through the New Testament. We see that in all sorts of different places. One commentator kind of summarized it like this. I was reading through my commentaries this week, and this sentence just jumped out of the page. He said, the violent depravity of the Sodomites was extraordinary. Lot's home was encircled by a vast, crazed mob of lusting men of every age, howling for perverted satisfaction. See, Lot is living. Now, you need to understand this. Lot is living in a city filled with wickedness. He's surrounded day after day after day by evil, wicked, sinful people. You say, well, how would something like that have affected a man? How would that have affected very specifically Lot? What influence did this wickedness have on Lot? Now, I want to give you a passage of Scripture. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. You don't have to turn, but I want you to listen. 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, paints this interesting picture. 2 Peter is looking back on this story in Genesis 19. Looking back on Sodom and Gomorrah, looking back on the wickedness of the city, looking back on Lot and his life. And I want you to listen to what Peter says. Speaking of the Lord, if he condemns the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, now here's the interesting part about this passage of Scripture. He's now going to define and explain for us who Lot is. If he rescued Lot, a righteous man, that's very interesting to me. The Bible defines Lot in the New Testament as a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man, living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Now let me just summarize that for you very quickly. Lot was a righteous man, but he lived in a world that took him away from the things of the Lord. Do you understand that? Even though he was righteous, he was deprived, he was distressed, 
He lived day after day tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. This is maybe the clearest picture in all the Bible that bad company corrupts and destroys good people. You understand that? Lot was a righteous man, so the Bible tells us. But he lived in a city filled with wickedness. That wickedness led him farther and farther and farther away from the things of the Lord. And they said, wait a minute, Adam, we haven't heard yet that Lot has been led away from the Lord. In fact, we've kind of seen the sin of the city. We've seen the depravity of the city. We've seen the problems that Lot is surrounded with, yes. But we haven't yet been told that Lot has stepped away from the Lord. So what sort of influence did the wickedness of the city, what sort of influence does the sin that surrounds this man actually have on him? Well, let's take a look at verse 6. We're going to be clued into this a little bit more. So Lot went outside, and just to remind you, there's a, there's a mob of people calling for these two witnesses, these two angels that have come by. Lot went outside. Again, nobody at this point knows they're angels. Lot went outside to meet them, and he shut the door behind him. So it's almost as if he's kind of shoving through the door and, and shoving through the crowd, and he shuts the door behind him, and he kind of bars the door. And he said, no, my friends. Now, th- that's an interesting little statement right there. He knows these people. These are his friends. No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Now, we're going to take a step farther into depravity right here, okay? Look, this is Lot. I have two daughters who've never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you. You can do what you like with them, but don't do anything to these men, for they've come under the protection of my roof. Amazing. Verse 9. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner, they're speaking of Lot, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot. He moved, they moved forward to break down the door, right? So, so this kind of chaos is broken loose now. Lot's doing everything again to keep him away. He's offered his daughters. He's trying to appease the sinfulness of this mob. It seems as if they're going to break down the door. And then verse 10. But the men inside reached out, <laughs> pulled Lot back into the house, and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so they could not find the door. Now, this is not a point I'm going to get into, but I think a little side note here is that the Lord is never afraid. Do you understand that? Of evil. The Lord's never caught off guard. I can imagine the fear Lot must have had. I can imagine the fear of the people inside the house. I can imagine the, the, the chaos of that scene. It seemed out of control. Everything's going crazy and they're about to break down the door and, and it breaks loose and all of a sudden, just in this calm scene, the angels reach out and pull them back in and cause them all to be blind. Just demonstrates the power of the Lord. Verse 12, the two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you. And now here's the very clear call. Get them out of here. Verse 13, we are going to destroy this place. If they didn't know how wicked Sodom was before, they know now. The outcry of the Lord against his people is so great, he has sent us here to destroy it. So Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-law. By the way, very interesting. It seems at least as if his sons-in-law are in the mob. He just goes out the door and he speaks to them. 
who were pledged to be married to his daughters. And he said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord's about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Now let's stop there and let's kind of think through these verses. Let's make some points of application. We talked about Lot being separated from the Lord. We talked about the wickedness of the city. We talked about the depravity of the people, the evil that surrounded him. We talked about the fact that Lot, because he had surrounded himself with these people, had moved farther and farther and farther from the Lord. Now we begin to see it in several magnificent failures of Lot in this context. Here's the first failure in our second point. Number two, Lot failed to protect his family. Lot failed to protect his family. Now, let me just remind you, if you don't remember this from a couple of weeks ago. We read in Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. And we've seen this on several different other occasions. But the Lord speaking to Abraham says, I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Now, this is interesting to me because here's Abraham. Here's a man the Lord had called to do incredible things. Here's a man that was going to be made into the nation of Israel. The nation would come from him. The Lord is going to bless him. He's going to make his descendants greater than the stars in the heaven, greater than the sands on all the beaches. This is the line through which Messiah will eventually come. We've seen that in the genealogies. This is a man that's going to do incredible things for the Lord. And yet the Lord says, the very first thing that I've called him to do is to direct his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord. Abraham, the Lord says, mom, dad, living in 2015, the Lord says, your first calling is to your family. Do you understand that? God says, I may do great things through you. I may accomplish incredible things in your life. You may be used to do magnificent things all around the world, but your first calling is to your family. Direct your children, direct your house, help them to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what is just. Now, I talk a lot here, and we talk a lot at Rosemont about our families. We talk a lot about spiritual leadership within our families. We, we talk a lot about dads especially stepping up to the plate, doing what's right. We, we talk about parents modeling Christ's likeness to their children. We talk about dads being spiritual leaders. We talk about teaching our children the things of the Lord, pr- protecting them sometimes from the negative influence of the world. And you need to understand something about this text. Lot was doing none of those things. You understand that? Lot wasn't modeling anything related to the Lord for his family. So here's the sad part about his scenario, and this is kind of an application for us. He not only embraces the evil of the city, he actively seeks to involve his daughters in the wickedness. You understand that? Lot has strayed so far from the Lord... He had surrounded himself with evil for so long that not only was he away from the Lord, not only was he not seeking the things of the Lord, he was actively seeking to involve his innocent daughters in evil. Now this is an interesting passage of scripture because in this context, in this part of the world during this time in history, it was important to treat visitors with respect. 
In fact, when a visitor arrived at your house, you should have done exactly what Lot did. You should have invited them to your house. You should have taken care of them, given them a place to stay, given them something to eat, given them, given them a place to sleep. All the things that Lot did, all the ways in which Lot took care of his guests were fine and nice and correct up until this point. But then you're kind of led into the heart of who Lot is. You're led into exactly how far away he had strayed. Lot was more interested at this moment in pleasing the sinful men of Sodom than he was protecting his own family. Now we read this passage of Scripture, and I struggled personally with this passage of Scripture because I have children. Many of you have children. You have grandchildren. You know little children. The fact that any person could even contemplate doing anything Close to this is beyond me. It just demonstrates how far he had strayed from the things of the Lord. And and, and I can say with, I think, absolutely certainly not a single person in this room would ever do anything like this. But, But I think we need to be careful. And we need to consider kind of the biblical truth in this text. Our children learn about Christ's likeness by what they see in our lives. Now, none of us would go this far. I get that. But the way you live your life for Jesus Christ is going to be seen by your children. And nine out of ten times, they're going to model what they see. So if you're not serious about your faith, they're not going to be serious about their faith. If you're not serious about walking with the Lord in everything, (laughs) your kids are not going to be serious about walking with the Lord in everything. If you've been swayed by the evil of the world, chances are your children have or will be swayed by the evils of the Lord. If you've compromised your walk on some level, chances are your children have or your children will. See, kids learn by example. And if we, moms and dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, if we allow ourselves to be surrounded by evil, if we allow ourselves to be kind of sucked into the world, if we allow allow ourselves to, to step away from the Lord and not take our walk with Christ seriously, we can expect the same from our children. You say, okay, how does how does it actually affect Lot's children. Well, you can kind of skim down. I don't have it on the screen to the end of chapter 19. In fact, I'm not going to read it. I just want to talk about it. It's really kind of too disgusting to mention, frankly. I want to clue you in on what happens, though. After the destruction of Sodom, we'll get there. We're not going to get to the actual destruction this morning. After the destruction of Sodom, Lot flees. You you know the story. And his wife turns back, right? She doesn't believe what the angel says. Again, a a clear indication of what's happened in that family. She turns down to look. She's destroyed, turned to Saul. We'll see that story very soon. Lot's left now with his two daughters because the sons-in-law didn't believe. They stayed in the city. They're destroyed. So Lot is left with his two daughters. They go to hide in a cave. And the Bible tells us that Lot's daughters end up seducing their father and have children with him. You can read the details in the end of chapter 19. It's, it's, it's a sick, 
perverted, disgusting picture of what happens when we don't stand up for the things of the Lord. Because of his lack of concern for the things of the Lord, year after year after year after year, his children grew up not understanding the fear of the Lord. And Lot's lack of spiritual influence and failure to protect his family affected his family greatly. So, Dad, if this doesn't hit you square between the eyes, nothing's going to. You need to be careful what you model in front of your kids. One writer summarized it like this. From Lot, his two daughters learned that morality must sometimes be sacrificed. Lot was willing to turn over his daughters who were as yet sexually pure, not corrupted by the sins of Sodom, to the Sodomites instead of two strangers. They learned from Lot that morality must sometimes be set aside in emergencies. Once they saw their father's plight as an emergency, incest was no longer a moral problem, for morality must yield to practicality in emergencies. See, as you choose to surround yourself with the things of the world and step farther and farther and farther away from the Lord, you'll do just as Lot did. He failed to protect his family. Now, here's truth three, another failure of Lot. Lot failed to lead the city to repentance. Lot failed to lead the city to repentance. Maybe the worst part of what he did. It's horrific what he did with his family. But his failure in the city affected tens of thousands of others. Now I want you to remember something about Lot. We talked about this just a few minutes ago. Lot had been given a great chance to follow the Lord. Lot had lived in the house of Abraham. Lot had been given and blessed with great riches. Lot could have done great things for the Lord had he chose to seek him. But he instead chose to walk by sight and not by faith. He didn't follow the Lord. He didn't consider the Lord. He simply made a decision based on what he wanted. And now we fast forward a number of years. In fact, he's been living in the city of Sodom probably a decade now. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but if you kind of understand the, the passage and what's happening, you kind of do some addition. You see, he's been here probably about 10 years. At this point in the city, he was one of them. You understand that? He was a full-fledged citizen of the city of Sodom. And yet he didn't one time do anything to lead these people to repentance. Now, wait a minute, Adam. The Bible doesn't say he didn't lead them to repentance. The Bible doesn't say he didn't do anything to try to sway them. Bible, well, you're right. The Bible doesn't specifically say that, but there's some clues that will help us and understand that. I want to walk through them very briefly this morning. Look back at verse 1 of chapter 19. Some very, very important clues. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. Now, just a casual reader, if we just read by this, we don't think anything of it. Because to us, in our context now, the gateway of the city doesn't mean anything. So he's sitting out by the city limit sign. Big deal. Well, in this context, the location of the city gate and the fact that someone sat in the city gate pointed very simply to the status of that person in the city. Let me read you one account. Archaeological excavations of ancient cities in that part of the world show that the area near the city gate, this is where Lot was sitting, was used by the elders of the city to talk and conduct 
business. It was a place of prominence and influence. The implication is that Lot had achieved not only his material goals, but also his social and political ambitions. He had arrived. So understand, this is important. This is a man that not only moved to the city, lived in the city, was part of the city, but at this point had been elevated to leadership. This is an elder in the city. This is a leading businessman. This is a man who had clout and influence. And I want you to notice what happens in verse 9. Another clue. Lot has gone outside. He's trying to speak to these men that have assembled. He's trying to talk some sense into them. He tries to offer his daughters. And they respond in a telling way. Verse 9. Get out of our way, they replied. Now they're speaking directly to Lot. I can imagine them pointing the finger. This fellow came here as a foreigner, this is Lot, and now he wants to play the judge. You see what's happening there? This guy came as a foreigner. He's been here for a while. He's one of us now. And now he wants to play the judge? The implication is he's never played the judge before. You understand that? Lot had seen this. He'd been around it. He had been influenced by it and had never confronted the wickedness of all those that lived around him. So we start asking ourselves this question. How long can we sit among sinners without becoming one? How long can we live among them without reaching out and sharing the love of Christ? Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked. Or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. This is a man who lived in the city, was a leader in the city, was influential in the city, had never confronted these people with their sinfulness. And when he does, they respond by saying, now all of a sudden, you want to be our judge? Now there's another clue. Look at verse 14. So Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-laws. Again, the idea is they're just just outside the gate here, just outside of his house, who were pledged to marry his daughters. And he said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Isn't that interesting? I read this account and there's not a whole lot about it that seems funny to me. A mob at the door, the sinfulness of the city, the destruction of all these thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people is at hand. Lot goes and warns his sons-in-law, and they thought that he was joking. Now, why in the world would they think Lot was joking? One simple reason. He had never talked to them before about the Lord. Guys. The, the Lord's here, and he, he, he's told me, explaining to me the wickedness of the And he's about to destroy the city, and they laugh. Oh, yeah, right. The Lord? Lot? Are you serious? The Lord? As if they'd never heard him speak of the Lord before. As if he'd never warned them before. As if he'd never had a conversation with them about the things of the Lord. Now, just a side note, I'm not here yet. I'll be here in a few years. Dads, when your daughter is getting ready to marry a young man, you better have a conversation with him about the Lord. Amen? Silence as if you don't agree with me. (laughs) I I can stay here all day now, I'm telling you. 
it's just sad and, and, and heartbreaking to me that when this man for the first time explained to his sons-in-laws that the Lord was going to punish their wickedness, they laughed at him. He'd never had this conversation before. I want to end with this. There's this idea of of wickedness and and walking away from the Lord and sinfulness and failure on the part of Lot to, to first of all, not lead his family. Failure to never call to repentance these people. Failure to never step up as a leader. And I just want to end with this idea. As Christians, we we need to be very clear here. If we don't leave with anything else, let's leave with this. Our call is to be different in the world. You understand that? Our call is to stand out. We should live our lives in such a way that the world knows we're different. We're not called to blend in. We're called to be salt and we're called to be light. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you. It's foreigners and exiles, right? This is not our home. Abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We live in a world filled with sin. We live in a world filled with evil. We are surrounded by it day after day after day. And so here's the question we end with this morning. How are we going to live our lives? Are we going to be overtaken by the evil of the world or are we going to stand firm trust the Lord and live a life that brings honor and glory to him regardless of the cost let's pray Father thank you for this clear picture of not only the wickedness of this place Lord but how that wickedness led a righteous man astray how it affected his life, how it affected the lives of his daughters, how it affected the life of his wife and his sons-in-law. And Father, I pray this would be just a a very clear calling in our lives, a wake-up call that we should be careful how we live. We should be careful who we surround ourselves with. We should be careful that we lead in a godly manner, that we we live a life of faith and trust and hope in the Lord. And we live a life that's, that's different so the world can see. Don't let us be like Lot. 